Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gate, ready to go. OutKick 360 underway from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. And with Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us. Big show today. It's an OutKick day. We've got Armando Salguero, covers the NFL. He'll join us in about an hour and 15 minutes from right now. Coming up in 20 minutes, Trey Wallace discusses all things Southeastern Conference. And in the final hour today, Dan Dockage, host of Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good to be with you boys once again here in this very festive game room at 6th and Peabody. Right. Old Smoky Moonshine Yeehaw Beer. Um, gonna want to play some golden tea at some point this week. Have not done that yet. NFL blitz in front of me. Also a classic from the early two thousands. I'm fired up and ready to go on this you Thursday. Did not get the in. Memorial Day weekend is almost here. Almost here. You did almost. not get in your pregame hunt. You've been uh, <laughs> not, yeah. pre-show hunting each didn't go on my, day of the didn't week. Go on my safari uh, yeah. before the we'll show. We'll see today. how that affects your performance because I feel like it's loosened you Chad up. Chad Withrow, the last big few game days. hunter. I think oh, I could yeah. get a quick round in during the break. The problem is it makes the noise sound continues yeah. after, yeah. and we'd be hearing that on air. I don't think uh, many of us would enjoy that. No. Me, me in particular. You know, but the important part, Paul, is the audience, right? I don't yeah. want the audience to suffer. If you suffer, I really don't yeah, care. Yeah, you would be fine. I, I think it'd be as loud as possible in your ear. I would not care. It's all about the audience. At least for me yeah. on this show, it's always I about don't think the audience, the audience would care no, for it at they all. They wouldn't like it. All the game, the arcade game's absolutely free, so we could hit all these up uh, before weeks in. And uh, if we could get the sound going of all of them, I'd I mean, have the Pac-Man sound going. These were all the just installed. Like, th- this, this is right up Chad's alley. These were Every arcade game in here was just installed. Even the ones that have them? been here that have been updated. So, Chad, I think by the time we hit Memorial Day weekend, every high score on every should game you. should be you. It should just be Chad. Well, I've, Chad. I've got the um, uh, the high score on the uh, the, the Bighorn Sheep portion of Bighorn <laughs> because Hunter. it was blank. Uh, because well, no, there was one person on there, but I, the score was very low. Weakling. Yeah, somebody yeah, that so played. I, I'm only, not. They used right. only one shot. I've not played this game a lot. I'm not going to say that I'm very good at it, but I do have at least one big score. Uh, I'd like to get the high score on on more of these. And by Friday, if I just started up every single game. We could make the show sound like an arcade in 1988, right? Where you walk in and it's just, it's got the same oxygen rate as a casino. I think and it fun. sounds like that. It's, it's chimes going, it's music going. Why don't we going. do it for last segment tomorrow? We start up every one of these machines during our last I break. I think it'd be great. And we go into the last segment with all noise. of the ambient Yes. Noise. Sounds like we're hell. Well, the last <laughs> hour, I want to talk to Brent Hubs with that going on in the background. Give Paul flashbacks of last weekend. At the, yeah, the, yeah. At the, casino. the casino. Paul's just going right. to give me flashbacks to Simon in an arcade. Paul's going to mindlessly take cash out and start putting it on the table <laughs> once he hears that he just noise. Just throws his wallet away. Right. He's well, going to start putting a betting on games immediately also. I still do have a few dollars in my pocket. Paul's going to say, split them. Split them over and over when split. he hears that sound. Double. 
split. Headlines uh, throughout the day. Speaking of this conversation with Casino, it makes me think of Goodfellas. Uh, R.I.P. Ray Liotta, um, who passed away at the age of 67, uh, died in sleep, according to reports. Chad, you told me when, when I walked in, he was filming. Uh, he was on set. He was on location filming a new movie that was set to uh, come out next year. Yeah, he's filming, uh, according to IMDb, he's currently filming three different movies, was, was filming three different movies. This one was the name of it, Dangerous Waters, was filming in the Dominican Republic, and he passed away in his sleep, 67 years old. Memorable guy. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to... Distinctive. Yeah. It's hard for me to take Goodfellas, Ray Liotta, and not think that's Ray Liotta, right? Like, he's one of those guys that it yes. felt like his character was him, and he wasn't playing a role, but we know that he was a really gifted actor, and he definitely was playing a role. Uh, but always strike me as a really cool dude, and uh, sad news today because, Paul, you said it before, there's two movies that if he made nothing else, that would be a lasting yeah, legacy. Just on Goodfellas and Field of Dreams alone, yeah. if that was his acting resume, and I don't, I'm sure I've seen him in other things, and I'm sure I remember him in other things. You listed a couple before we came on air. But just on those two phenomenal, phenomenal movies that probably are in my top ten, um, uh, you know, he's a memorable guy who uh, I'm sure I'll watch those movies multiple, multiple times uh, in, in my life. I look forward to watching them with my son. And uh, phenomenal acting work by him in both. And that scene at the end of Field of Dreams, I think, has a, a tug on anybody that's had a father-son relationship. Shoeless Joe. And then um, he was in the movie Blow. He was in I, The John author Q. of Blow was a professor of mine. Really? Uh, that's at, a great at, movie. At Columbia Journalism School. I helped him do a little research for uh, a, a book, a later book. And then I have not seen this, Chad, uh, The Many Saints of Newark, the prequel to Sopranos. Yeah, and that was just last year. That movie was out, which was really good. Um, I, and I, I just lost the movie again. But there was a movie in the early 90s that was great where he was an obsessive cop or ex-cop that worked for a security company that basically terrorized a young couple uh, in a neighborhood. That was, that was, he was really good as the villain in that movie. Copland with Sylvester Stallone's another one. So really good career. Made and, a uh, mark for sure. One of those, when I saw that news, it was uh, very sad to hear about that. Unlawful Entry, 1992, was the movie I was thinking about. That's underrated. Those, are, uh, those two iconic films are also ones that we will probably see, we would see anyway on Memorial Day weekend, like just playing randomly. And they'll certainly go yeah. back to them, whoever has it, TNT, TBS. Um, I, I thought of you guys last night. I hit DVR. Uh, there's a new um, a special on History Channel on Teddy Roosevelt that is uh, debuting. It's, a, there'll be a, it's like two or three episodes, kind of like Grant was a few years ago. Uh, debuts Monday night at 7 o'clock Central. So that's right up your guy's alley. I like that. That's really up Chad's alley. Aren't you a Teddy guy? I'm a big Teddy guy, so I'm looking right now to try to record that. I want to see it. And we'll tell the guys in the studio, we are hearing an echo, so hopefully we can, whatever we just turned on, we can turn off. I like playing through that. Yeah. Well, Fun challenge. If I knew how to correct it, I would. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. There we go. Thank you. Uh, Out, Out, Outkick360 is uh, where you can find us on Twitter. Uh, headlines today, Josh Donaldson. Um, apologizes to Jackie Robinson's family, um, said he, he 
it was not intended to come across the way that it did uh, publicly. And this was unsolicited. It's not like, uh, based on the story I, I read, Jackie Robinson's family did not reach out or say anything publicly didn't about Didn't have this. any complaint about what right. went down. I mean, it's certainly conceivable it bothered them, uh, but they didn't express it in, in a public way. I think Donaldson's done everything he can do. I don't know what the status of the appeal is, um, but once that's done, I think it's a dead and buried story. I don't know how much this will follow Donaldson as a, as a bad thing. I it think won't. I, I really don't think it will. Uh, and, and let me tell you why. Because, because of this statement, honestly. Like, I, I read this statement, I'm thinking, you couldn't summarize a minor scandal any better and just bury it than the way that he did. Here's the full statement. First and foremost, I have the utmost respect for what Tim Anderson brings to the game of baseball. I stated over the weekend that I apologize for offending Tim, and it was a misunderstanding based on multiple exchanges between us over the years. My view of that exchange hasn't changed, and I absolutely meant no disrespect. In the past, it had never been an issue, and now that it is, we have a mutual understanding. And he continues, I would also like to apologize to Mrs. Rachel Robinson and the Jackie Robinson family for any distress the incident may have caused. Jackie was a true American hero, and I hold his name in the highest regard. I think that is... That is very good. Very well said, and also, to reiterate... I've said this to him multiple times, and it was never a federal offense before. So I guess the misunderstanding was it was bothering him. He didn't speak out against it until now. I didn't know any better. I think that's the best way to diffuse it, right? And Tim Anderson is just like, look, I'm not, I don't want to make amends with a guy. I don't care. I don't, I don't want to have friends. a relationship with him. We're not friends. We can just move on and not worry about it anymore. Just, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a You don't even have statement. to come to an agreement on it. It's fine. Just move on. You play for different teams. And go about your merry way. But there'll probably be bad blood next time the Yankees and, uh, and the White Sox take the field against each other. And so we'll have to watch for high and tight uh, against Josh Donaldson more likely than Tim Anderson. Well, I think Josh Donaldson will just shut up. Yeah. I mean, now I think the move is just play, oh, play so baseball too. and you can chat it up with guys you know on other teams. But just when you come across third base... Uh, or come across his, his area, just don't say anything. Right. Just, just go about your business. But do they throw him high and tight? I don't think so. I would hope not. But, you know, is it, it's over for, Tim, uh, for, for Josh Donaldson. It doesn't sound necessarily like it's over for Anderson, who says he's, he's done with it. But does it fester for him? It, it, I don't think we'll know until we see them on the field together again. Sometimes all you have to do is ask someone's opinion, uh, and, and they'll be opinionated when it comes to uh, about places they've been or played for or coaches they've played for. Um, they just need an outlet to express how they feel. That, that was exactly what happened with LaShawn McCoy in regards to Eric Bieniemy in Kansas City. Um, for the first time, I've heard something negative on Eric Bieniemy, other than, Publicly. Uh, oh, the guy can't inter- interview well, apparently. Um, this is – so – Last offseason, he interviewed for every job that was open. Not virtually. this offseason, but last Last offseason, off he interviewed for every job that was open and got none of them. And then as we go into this offseason, um, the discussion was more about whether or not he would be back as the play caller uh, or the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs and with if he would be paired back with Andy Reid and turns out, He's back. But here is LaShawn McCoy on the podcast I Am Athlete. Um, And he was just a a guest there. 
and he was with the enemy. That was the same year the Chiefs. One of the years they they uh, the, the year they not just went to the Super Bowl but won it. And the, the quote is, there's a reason why every year they hype him up to get a job, and then when the time comes, nobody hires him because they know the type of coach he really is. Um, that's as blunt and as negative as I've heard anyone speak on that guy. Listen, he what would have said coach more. Is that? He would have said more if these two – I listened to it. These two guys who were interviewing him were horrible. They stepped on his toes every – did you hear it or just read it? I'm just reading it. Every time he started to really go, they cut him off. They're like, oh, he's going to say something. Whoa, here we go, whatever. And they kept stepping on him. He was going to be expansive. Yeah, And, and they a, kept stopping him from being expansive it's a serious by XM reacting. show, too, I It believe. was really bad interviewing, really bad. They gave him no space to breathe and be expansive. Well, it, this is good. athletes interviewing him, right? Yeah, this is good that we got this. Are you we would have gotten more if they had just shut up and let him talk. Yes. I mean, I'm not surprised that athletes are bad interviewers. That's not really their skill set. No. When they're talking to a, a, a fellow athlete. But even just conversationalists, they were horrible conversationalists. So he did not go further and say what type of coach he's talking about. Because he in, says they find out the what type of coach he out. is. I don't know. I'd like to know more about what he means by that. I think the gist was, um, and, and maybe somebody will correct us in the, in the chat, um, about treating people a different way or, or how he comes at people. Yeah, he said he, he spoke to players a certain way that, that was not all, um, all the way appropriate, I guess. Uh, inappropriate, you know, um, paraphrasing. But, again, like it's – it's refreshing to hear a, a former athlete's opinion on a guy that otherwise we're sitting here wondering why is this – he's always mentioned in all these interviews. And organization after organization has passed up on him despite him being connected to Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. And Reed. I think McCoy's got the stripes and the credibility no for doubt. this to mean something. He's not a sour grape – you know, yes, he was at the end of his career when he was in Kansas City, but the guy's got stripes. He knows what's what. He was an excellent player who had uh, excellent production for the vast majority of his career, right? This isn't coming from uh, – maybe he's a little disgruntled, but this isn't coming from dis, some disgruntled middle-of-the-pack player. That's right. Uh, coming up, Trey Wallace will join us. We will uh, discuss all things SEC and college football headlines with Trey. In about an hour, Armando Salguero will join us as well. Um, and, uh, Chad, there's a lot to talk about in regards to the NFL and Colin Kaepernick getting a, a workout with the Las Vegas Raiders. We were discussing earlier prior to the show, we haven't seen any takeaways from that yet. Um, well, we've, seen a, we've seen a takeaway from we, Mike Florio. We, well, he's got a takeaway. I'm, I'm, well, he, he's ha- he has a takeaway before he even sees a workout yeah. or has, sees feedback from it. Better than any available option out there. Yeah. Better than any option on any of these teams. <laughs> better than Marcus Mariota currently. Better than any current option on the teams. Mike better Florio thinks he's better than all these guys and hasn't seen him play in five years. Yeah, it's, uh, it's premature. It's wish, wishfully premature. Uh, way premature and uh, assuming that he would be starting. So uh, what Florio is saying is he's going to come in and start over Derek Carr. I mean, if he's that good, you're, you're going to start him. And other well, teams would be trying him out. He didn't say that about the Raiders, but he did say it about um, other, uh, other, other stops. He was also not good whenever he sure. was out of football. Like with the year that everything went down, he was not good. 
Um, no, he had a bad finish. But guys have rebounded from a, from a bad year before, but not after a five-year break. It's very presumptuous to presume anything about the guy except that uh, he's got you know, a lot to prove. That's the, that's the fair presumption. The guy has a lot to prove. And I think, I, I don't know what to presume about what would come out. I think they'd be tight, tight-lipped no matter what. I think if he was fantastic or I think if there was an extreme result of this workout, super fantastic or super horrific, it would have been most likely to have leaked out by now. I think that means, my guess is it's somewhere between super fantastic and super horrific. Coming up, Trey Wallace from Outkick.com next on Outkick 360. First, though, Aurora NutriScience, VitalLifeScience.com, the website to check out all of the great supplements that they offer to keep you mentally sharp and healthy. Aurora delivers your supplements where you need them the most, your body. VitalLifeScience.com has all the details, but you can see more information and you can receive a 15% discount with the code OUTKICK360 at checkout. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed. Here is Aurora, unique, cutting-edge, nutritional and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes. And that ensures greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I use the vitamin C, the vitamin D3, the glutathione, but they have so many more options for you and, and for what you may be looking to, uh, to help out with. Aurora supplements absorbed in the bloodstream through the GI tract, and that ensures it's not going to be wasted like a typical capsule or pill. Visit VitalLifeScience.com, 15% off with the code OUTKICK360 at VitalLifeScience.com. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Coming up, Trey Wallace will join us. Um, we, we will get with Armando Salguero in an hour from now. We will also chat Trey with Dan Dockich in hour number three as we are live at 6th and Peabody Beautiful. with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Um, so we do actually have an update through this break on the workout for Colin Kaepernick. Oh, good. Um, Jeremy Fowler says, I was told two things stood out in Colin Kaepernick's workout with Raiders. Arm strength and good overall conditioning. Workout was largely considered a positive. Let's see where it goes from here. I mean, the conditioning is no surprise at all. No. I mean, the one thing we've seen about the guy 
is that he's uh, worked out and extremely fit. That is zero surprise. Would have been a massive surprise if he was anything other than incredibly fit. Agreed? I mean, he's had five years of working out. So I'm not surprised by that. Arm strength, that's a good sign for him that, that he's, uh, he's got good arm strength right now and that that stood out. So uh, I guess these nuggets are going to drip and dribble out um, of that. Um, you know, he's not going to get signed purely on arm strength and fitness. Well, and, and is, you know, to me the question with Colin Kaepernick is when you look at, it's not comparing him to starting quarterbacks in the league. It's teams with a backup. You know, is he a better backup option for someone? I think when it was a year in, two years in, three years in, when things got a little bit more quiet with him, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, he's going to be a better backup option than a lot of backups in the league. But now that we're five years removed, Paul, I'm not so sure that I could say that about him. But I'm not going to rule that out. Now, I'm never going to go as far as Mike Florio went in saying that he's a better option for Seattle, Houston, Atlanta, you know, he kind of Carolina went down the SB. list than their current quarterbacks and even starting quarterbacks. I'm not going to go that far, but is, it, is there a possibility where Colin Kaepernick is a better option than some backups across the league? Maybe. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of well, crappy backups in the league. We know that. So yeah. the pool he's competing with, like you're saying, you know, he's competing with guys like Logan Woodside's the backup here in town. He's done nothing. Well, not proved, anymore. Proven nothing. Well, right now he's the number two, yeah, the, depending on what the they last, do with The last, what, Malik three Willis. years you could have said that. Is, and, is Colin Kaepernick right, better than Logan Stidham. Woodside? I'd say probably. And here's the, here's the, here's the thing. Uh, Woodside would continue to be the backup here in town and not Colin Kaepernick because of what Ka- Kaepernick brings with him. Right. They, uh, the Titans have no That's the difference that. here. It's not, it's, it's not a the football are you better than the third-string quarterback on the roster. It's that. It's, are it's you the, and what you bring with you but, worth it? But here's the other thing that, that um, I was driving home yesterday. I'm like, man, I, I failed to mention that. The other part of this storyline is Kaepernick had an option with the Denver Broncos based on the way John Elway tells the story and that he turned down the offer because he didn't want to play for a certain amount of money and come in and, you know, be the backup guy. Well, he's changed his stance on that now. He's willing to be – he said he's willing to be a backup. And if you're willing to be a backup, you're willing to play for backup money, which we said yesterday is, what, 1.06. The the base money, though. There are backups that make $7 million a year. Uh, I'm right. talking the he's not base, be one of those. base money. That that's the type of discussion that he's got to that he's got to have and come to terms with to get back in the league. And then you can have a bonus incentive contract too. Right. I mean, and you might get a little signing bonus. <laughs> sure, but, uh, but what uh, there are more things to it than what Florio's saying by just saying, "Oh, he's better than this guy. He's better than this yeah. guy." You can't First know. Off, he doesn't start. know. You can't know. He doesn't know. And Nobody knows. And none of that came out after he was throwing to uh, receivers and running backs at the Michigan Pro Day. Uh, we're just hearing this now because the Raiders are finally bringing well, him in. So here's the. So we get it fully in context from Mike Florio. Here's the complete tweet from Pro Football Talk. Colin Kaepernick, with time, with time to knock off the rust and prepare, would be better than any option the Seahawks, Panthers, and Texans currently have. He'd be better than any quarterback that the Dolphins currently have. He'd possibly win the job in Atlanta, too. We're not talking about winning a backup job. He's talking about winning the main job. They say there's he's a better lot than of, Desmond Ritter. There's a lot of presumptions there in saying, 
with time to knock off the rust and prepare, he's saying he's better than, than all, all of right, these situations. Let, quickly, run through those teams one at a time. So he's better than Drew Locke. Seahawks. Geno Smith. Drew Locke. Panthers. Sam Donald. Donald Matt Corral. Matt Corral. Texans. Davis Mills. Davis Mills. Who they, according to John McClain, believe in to some extent. And Marcus Mariota and Desmond Tua, Ritter. Tua with the Dolphins. And Tua. I mean, Tua and Desmond Ritter, to me, are the two there. Uh, I'm not saying he's better than any of the other ones, but the top of the list guys on that list, to me, are Tua, who I don't like at all, and Desmond Ritter, who, you know, was rated as one of the three or four best guys coming in out of the draft. Well, And, and also, it's going to a good quarterback guy. I think saying this... In saying that, okay, I completely disagree with that. But if you want to believe that, right? Okay, I'll I'll go with you on that. That is taking that is not taking into account the possibilities for any of those teams, and that remains Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'm sorry, but I can say definitively, Colin Kaepernick is not a better option than Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo right now for one of those teams. No, if they wanted not. to make a trade for those two guys, or one absolutely of those two guys, not. So. It's easy to say what they currently have, he's better than every option. I disagree, but okay, whatever. But you're not saying the fact that not only are these guys currently on the roster with those teams an option to start at quarterback, but also you've got Baker Mayfield, you've got Jimmy Garoppolo as options for those teams. The guys that he may well be better than, Tim Boyle, uh, Kyle Allen, Jeff Driscoll, uh, people like that. And that's the pool that he should be being judged again. I, I think Mike Florio's doing him no favors, really, because the conversation is about guys like Tim Boyle or Jared Stidham, who's the guy he tried out to potentially compete with or replace. That's, that's a fair conversation to be having about him right now. Now, well, we all have the same concerns. Five years removed is a hell of a long time for anybody to be gone. But, it's not gone from military service or, uh, but the, you know, something you know, and I'm, I'm with you, but the real conversation is, is he, is he better than Tim Boyle or Jared Stidham? And worth the... Well, and worth the stuff. But in a real NFL season, if, if Jared Goff gets hurt or if, if something happens uh, it, with, the, with the Raiders, what's going to happen is those in game those backups come in and finish the game, and then more likely than not, a veteran is brought in off the street, and you know that's when we see the phone calls for you know the Drew Breeses, the Ben Roethlisberger's. I'm I'm exaggerating a bit on those veteran names, but we see it all the time with the speculation on who's going to be signed and brought in from the outside. That's that's what you would do to save your season, or you just go with the backup quarterback that you have. And you go get a high draft pick, depending on when the injury takes place. But those guys are there to come in and finish a second half if you need them. And yeah. then you reassess where you are. Yeah. Not every team most has the, the time, Tannehill though, backup spot. Most of the time you're not getting or you, know, you, a, a or, breeze. Or you have a young quarterback that's on a rookie deal, and it's time to figure out if, if he's, invest, if he's right, worth the investment the long term. And, and, find and out. then you go all in with that, too. But we say most of the time, if your starting quarterback goes down, you're screwed. Yes. That, that, that's the recipe in the NFL, unless you're fortunately positioned, unless you happen to be having, uh, happen to have a rookie sitting on your bench who needed a year and you can accelerate his clock and he's a lot better than you imagined early, all of those things. Generally, if you're a competitive team that had high hopes and your quarterback goes down for the season 
or for six or eight weeks, you're screwed. That's, that's the, way, the way of the NFL now. And, well, and Colin Kaepernick's not going to change that. No, but Baker Mayfield does. Yeah, but Mayfield I mean, again, and Garoppolo do change it. Yeah, there's, You've got there's, two options right now on the market that, uh, you know, if you're really serious and you, have mon- and you have money, you, you should be probably trying to line up. And, and again, I, I go with my Giants example as, okay, this is, the, this is the Titans example. You know, with Mariota and then acquiring Tannehill. Instead of going into a season with one okay option but may not be good at all, why not go into a season with two options if one doesn't work out that you feel at least optimistic that one of them is going to work out? And you have a couple. And I think teams. that's Baker Mayfield as a backup for a team like that. You have a couple teams that are set, like Philadelphia. If Jalen Hurts gets hurt, you might actually get better with Gardner Minshew. Uh, you know, Gardner Minshew is a high-level yeah. backup that's had some success as a starter and brings you some moxie off the bench, which you usually don't get at all. A right? little boost. Yeah. Uh, there are well, a couple a teams like that. That's a good example of someone you want short-term, but long-term, no team's investing in. Right. But given a second chance, like if Hurts got hurt in the first month and was gone, you would say, Eagles are still an interesting team. They're not done. Yeah, Most but, teams you're saying are done. Uh, yeah, they're, they're competitive. They can stay competitive. Uh, agreed. Um, I'm told Trey Wallace is there. We'll, we'll try this. Trey uh, from Outkick.com covering the SEC. Trey, I uh, hope you're there and hope you're well. Jonathan, I can hear you pretty well, buddy. Yep, same here. How are things this week? Are you uh, staying dry, uh, unlike the, the rest of the SEC tournament? Uh, pretty much, man, trying to. You know, it, it, we knew the bad weather was going to come through this week, and uh, look, the SEC has done about as good as they can when it comes to the schedule. Um, we'll, we'll see. You know, this first game, it's going to – Kickoff here in just a little bit. First pitch between Florida and A&M here in about 15 minutes. And then Tennessee is going to play Vanderbilt. It's scheduled for seven. We'll see how that goes. But Tennessee and Vanderbilt are going to play tonight, uh, in my opinion. And uh, we'll see how the rest of the week lines up. Trey, the, the story across college football is scheduling right now. And that's no different with the SEC. What's your favorite of the options that you laid out at Outkick.com? of possible future schedule formats for the conference? Man, I really, Chad, I like the 3-6. I I like the nine games because that leaves you with three somewhat, I guess, permanent rivals, and then you can rotate the six teams. And then, excuse me, there's a good chance that, you know, you're going to get in different venues every other year. You know, compared to – let's just say compared to the other model where, okay, you've got to have one permanent rival and then they're going to find you, uh, you know, the other seven teams that you're going to be playing, you know, the, the eight game compared to nine game. I think that, look, I think that overall, like, it, like and I, I take for instance, like, um, you know, like Auburn who plays, you know, Georgia, they play Alabama, they play LSU. Um, you know, those are the type of games you don't want to give up. Same thing can be said for Tennessee. Like, I, it would be very hard if you sat Tennessee down at a table and said, okay, look, in three years, four years, you've got to make a decision. Who, do, who would you like to keep on your schedule? Would you like to keep Alabama permanently? Would you like to keep Florida permanently? Or you want to keep Georgia? 
So if you go with the, the, the nine-game format and you're able to keep three permanent teams, Chad, you don't have to take that off the table. Whereas, whereas you know, the other model in Tennessee's case, they might have to choose between, you know, Alabama, you know, or Florida, you know, and who they want. So I, I'm really liking the nine game. I, I, I have a feeling that that is the one, the model that's going to get passed, um, you know, soon enough between these SEC athletic directors, presidents, and, and football coaches when they all agree on it. And I think that's the model they go to. I think that's the one that actually makes sense out of, out of the two. How long do you think the process is to sort out everybody's three? I, I, <laughs> they've been talking about it. They've been talking about it for a while now. I, I think they're going to get more of a feel of it next week uh, in Destin starting on Tuesday morning. Um, and, and I think from there, um, we kind of get, okay, this is where everybody stands. Let's take a vote, you know, on where everybody would be yet. Okay, you know, because it, it's got to be a majority here. And, you know, in talking to some folks, it kind of seems like it, it might be a little bit down the middle when it comes to, to both types of scheduling. I think we're looking at, you know, uh, six months to a year before something definite maybe starts coming out and maybe that's how they want to go at it. You know, my, my, my perfect thing would be, and Paul, you're going to love this, and I wrote about this the other day. Like if they do this scheduling thing, and they and they do nine games, we need to have it like a FIFA World Cup draw, where somebody gets up on stage and they have little ping pong balls and they open it up and they present the team and that's what schedule or that's what pod they put them in and that's who you're going to be playing. Like we got to up the ante a little bit when it comes to the scheduling format. And the first thing that came to mind was the FIFA World Cup draw. Well, that show would get some ratings, that's for sure. So. I'm reading your piece right now, Trey, about, and I read it a little bit yesterday, but picking through what Lane Kiffin had to say in his interview. And we know that the league came down and said there's a gag order on SEC coaches before Lane Kiffin spoke with Dan Patrick's show last week, but he goes and does an interview either way. What did you like the most about what he said in terms of college football, where we stand now, and where we're headed in the future? If you had to pick one bit of info out of that interview, Trey, what do you agree with the most? I agree that we're going to have a very, very hard time in the next two to three years on how these players that are coming in that are very high profile, the ones that are getting a good chunk of money, how that is going to play out in a locker room, how that's going to play out on the field, how many donors and boosters and people are going to get agitated when the player that they invested a lot of money into is not seeing playing time. And I keep going back on this. And, I, and I, you know, since we're, you know, since I'm here in the state of Tennessee and, 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 and Nico has been such a big deal. So, I, you know, the best correlation to me would be okay, what if Nico, you know, he comes in, he's allegedly reported, whatever, signed this deal for a lot of money. Okay. And, but then you've got somebody like Taven Jackson who's already on the roster that Josh Heupel and this staff like, and they think he can get the job done. What are you going to do? Are you going to roll with the pressure of the kid that's being paid so much money? Are you going to roll with the kid that you think can get the job done? Like that's where it's going to get real interesting to me is, is 
these big boosters and these big donors coming in and having to play this out over the next two to three years because you're going to see a lot. And, you know, some of these big wigs around the, the SEC and college football, they like to be known. And I'm talking about the donors. They like it to be known, hey, this is what I do for the programs. And, you know, I think that made sense. I, I think Lane Kiffin talking about how, you know, boosters are now, you know, should be looked at as minority owners. I, I agree with that. I, I don't disagree. I, I think it it actually makes sense. If you're paying that amount of money, you want to see what your product looked like on the field. And that is players. Um, so, you know, looking at that and then, you know, just the, the whole angle on, you know, salary caps, you know, when it comes to certain players and how that would, you know, play out in the locker room. And, and I just feel like he has made some really good points out of frustration. And I also feel like he has just made some really good points in general. Like this is something that, that we can look at. And, and, you know, I think that the Nick Saban thing, you know, that, you know, him coaching however long he coaches, you know, I think that's something that, you know, Saban, you would think he's got at least three to four more years in him. I just, I don't know if it's going to be like a Jay Wright or a Coach K thing. I don't think we will ever get out of Saban something that along the lines of, hey, this is my last year. Let's go on a retirement tour around the Southeastern Conference. No, this guy is either going to win a national championship and then retire a few days after. Or, uh, or he's going to lose out on one and, and just ride off into the sunset. I, I just, you know, uh, I don't know how much longer Saban's going to be around, Chad. And I think that's when we might see some kind of changing of the guard when it comes to what goes on in the Southeastern Conference. Trey Wallace from Outkick.com has been our guest. Trey, we apologize for the shorter segment today. Maybe uh, I'll reach out after the show and we can uh, catch back up tomorrow on the show here if you want. Guys, I'll be down in Destin all next week for spring meeting, so I look forward to getting on nice. with you guys. Yeah, we it's going to be an eventful a week down in Destin. Enjoy, we'll enjoy that. that show down there. Thank you, guys. Appreciate right. it. Trey Wallace, Outkick.com, has been our guest. Uh, headlines coming up within the next 20 minutes or so. Um, maybe not the new most hated owner, but right now – the one who has the ire of the rest of the ownership group in the NFL. We've got that name for you. Uh, plus, Marshawn Lynch had a party and a loss that you would have thought well, he was the victor of all victors. Um, we, Paul, Paul gave us the details of the Marshawn Lynch party after a Super Bowl loss. That is incredible. But when we come back, the How to Murder Your Husband author has been found guilty of doing exactly that. That's from Outkick.com, and twist. that's next on Outkick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's the story. A jury in Portland has convicted a self-published romance novelist who once wrote an essay titled How to Murder Your Husband of fatally shooting her husband four years. This happened four years ago, and it would have been seven years uh, after she wrote this, this, um, 
this novel or essay. Uh, Outkick 360 uh, rolls on. Did she that follow her directions News. well? Uh, apparently not, uh, because her <laughs> her essay was on how to murder your husband and get away with it. Um, she did not get away with it. The jury came back unanimously. So seven years ago, she self-published this essay. Mm-hmm. Three years after that, she's allegedly murdered her husband and is being charged with that no, crime. She, no, no, no. Been convicted? In 2011, okay. she self-published this essay. All right. In 2018, her husband died and was uh, murdered while he was at a culinary institute with the same gun, make, and model that his wife owned. Now, think about this. Follow the timeline here with me. You wrote an essay seven years prior to actually murdering your husband. How many years were you considering murdering your husband if it led to the point where this isn't the first step, right? Like, I hate my husband. I might murder him. And then you just immediately write an essay about it. This had to be building for years before that. She writes the essay, and then seven years later actually does the damn thing. uh, That uh, is remarkable patience. Remarkable, but also, um, you know, Paul asked the question, did she follow her advice well? Uh, Aside from getting caught, like item zero would be stay away from surveillance footage. And she can be seen driving to and from the Institute, uh, for which this guy would cook and do different things on a YouTube channel. And she can be seen going to and from the Institute on the day of his murder. I've got two big questions. Uh, (laughs) How how was he murdered? Do we know that? He was shot. uh, With this gun that she owned. I I have two big questions. One, did she consider divorce? Because I think the way to go if you're considering killing your spouse is first to divorce File and for divorce. get away. A reconcilable <laughs> get differences. Get some distance, yes. right? If you get some distance, you can't get probably insurance the, money on divorce. the murderous feelings probably <laughs> dissipate if you get some distance from the person you want to kill. Two, was she a fan of Shonda Rhimes' <laughs> How to Get Away with Murder? Another That show was post-2011, though. That show probably didn't come up. That was, I mean, she was a real trailblazer here because this show was, was like 2017 or 2018. But she was oh, yeah. also, she was 2011 also, was way before that show started. She's also a romance novelist, so she was about love and love, love, love. love. Well, love. Fall in love and then kill that person. The There's a fine line hunt between love, love and murderous rage. A friend, a friend be of the mine. Same, one and the same. A friend of mine, his, oh, so, his best man at his wedding talked about how he had gone through the highest highs and the lowest lows, which we always bring up and I'm bringing up now. And this marriage clearly had both. I'm always intrigued by what the judge or the courts will allow or won't allow in, in, into, into the evidence. case against you um, or, or on your behalf if you're the, the plaintiff, right? Um, so initially this essay was not allowed into evidence how could it not be so you have to prove the case because it's not a part of that day or the case itself and the 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 it's all circumstantial the the physical evidence itself of why you would look her way uh should be more significant than what she wrote should seven years prior but i would think this is a significant element um so but they the the prosecutor was able to use elements of the essay in his argument to set up who it was and why it was who it was, and then point to the evidence. I mean, she's on camera, and she owns the same gun. By the way, while we're talking trials, uh, just a great moment yesterday in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard <laughs> trial where they had the TMZ guy on the stand being questioned by Amber Heard's lawyer, and she says, aren't you getting your 15 minutes of fame here? And he said, 
I, I don't really see that being the case. I, you know, uh, TMZ's got a lot of money. They come after me here. Uh, oh, I, I'm in a dire kind of circumstances. They were Aren't you getting that. your 15 minutes of fame by representing Amber Heard? Turn Flipped the question on her. back. Oh, it was very cutting. Very well done by the witness. I love I that. Fantastic. How to Get Away with Murder, the Shonda Rhimes show, premiered in 2014. So this, this woman, woman was, was three ahead. years ahead. I wonder if she's got a show. case against Shonda Rhimes because uh, – she might have stolen some of her ideas. She get, so she's convicted for the murder, then comes back and says, now I've got From a little jail, she's got a case bone to pick Sean, with Shonda Rhimes. Yeah, if you're on the jury, Paul, and you hear that the, the defendant wrote an essay about how to get away with, yeah, with murdering your husband, that you're going to be prejudiced against the case. You're, you're supposed to be presumed innocent. Um, and no matter if you wrote a story about it, it doesn't mean that you can prove that she killed it. They were able to do it without it. Well, is my that's point. A, that's impressive. I, I, uh, it is. Yeah, it would prejudice me. But it's also a layup. You, you, this was a layup. It's also thought a big it out. piece of evidence. You had thought out how I mean, to do the very thing you're If you're I'm the prosecution, I'm, I'm bringing this up and saying, okay, we have the su- surveillance footage. We have all these pieces of evidence. And, and in here's 2011, a cherry on top. this woman actually wrote about killing her husband and getting away with it. Maybe she's like, well, uh, OJ said, if I did it, let me go ahead and just write this. Like, if, if I were to do this. Well, what if she, so what if the sequel to How to Get Away with the Murder in 2011 was 2025? I, I failed to Here's do it. how I got away with murder. <laughs> like, let's go. I know there's no statute of limitations on murder. I failed to get away but with it. But the sequel is, if she didn't get convicted, that's like the OJ Simpson, right? He didn't get convicted, and he wrote later, if I did it. She writes, well, here's how I got away with it. And everyone's thinking, that's odd. Wasn't this woman's husband murdered? <laughs> I think the husband was actually murdered also. Wild. The new most hated owner, and if not hated, the most disliked today on May the 26th. We'll tell you why. Because it's coming out of the NFL owners' meetings in Atlanta. All of that and more in the 360 headlines across the Outkick Network. This is Outkick 360 from 6th and Peabody in Nashville. Hang with us.